Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Hot Wallet Podcast. I'm Scott McGregor at Scott Trades on Twitter. This is What Happened in Crypto, a roundtable of Buddies talking about the recent events in Bitcoin, crypto, Web3, investing, or whatever it is we want to talk about. Nothing you hear today is investment advice. We're not making buy and sell recommendations. Please speak to a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. I'm joined with my friend, Matt Kirchner. Matt, how are you, brother? I'm great. It's yes. <laughs> it's uh, How are you? I'm great. It's good to talk to you, Matt. And I uh, became friends on Twitter uh, after we kind of found out that we both liked watching The Bachelor. And uh, <laughs> and so my main question for you, Matt, is: Are you watching Love Is Blind season three? I have. I've seen <laughs> every episode. From the bottom, make no half stepping. I'm the dog, I made it through so they don't ask questions. Long Beach, and it ain't no half repping. Once a dog, always a dog, so they don't ask questions. I'll tell you what, my wife and I, well, my wife specifically loves trash TV, and she yeah. kind of pulled me into it, and I was resistant. Started with The Bachelor. Yeah, now it's, it's, a, it's good bonding for my wife and I. Same, same, brother. Like I, I get into, I get into Love Is Blind. Like I, my first. I, do you think Zeneb is as bad as everyone says? Because I kind of don't. I'm kind of like, eh, she's stuck in her ways, but whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I give them a lot of credit for volunteering for this program in general and trying to make it work. So it's hard to get a good gauge of somebody being as bad or as good as they are. It's just. No way I could meet someone like that and then have someone film every moment of your relationship. Like, you know, because I'm sure I would look like a major a-hole. If everyone saw my fights with my wife, everyone would be like, that guy's an idiot. Get rid of him. You know, so. A few weeks ago, we finished it up. But like the the guy that Zeneb was with, it was just like, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. They're both toxic for each other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So before we get going, be sure and smash that like button, hit subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to this. Uh, Look, Matt, there have been uh, a ton of things happening in markets uh, this week specifically. You know, we had a big rally off the lows this week with the Federal Reserve and Chair Powell. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has been doing a bunch of different interviews, you know, saying he didn't try and commit fraud. Uh, We got another crypto founder who ended up dying under questionable circumstances and uh, the ecb came out this week to say bitcoin is dead uh, brazil took another step uh, you know towards the bitcoin standard with them uh, essentially you know making it available as payment and saying that it does have value so there's so much to cover and we'll definitely try and get to everything but first off i really just want to know where you're at you know this market has been a grind and you've been in the crypto space longer than I have. I remember the first run in crypto that I 
new about you know 2018 something like that and there you are talking about the bachelor and crypto and i was like dude what's with crypto so you've been in this space longer than i have what are your general thoughts and feelings uh right now in this market right now it um wow lots of thoughts and feelings i'll try and keep it brief because i try and tend to i (laughs) tend to ramble but uh geez i think in general my feelings are crypto isn't going anywhere Um, I think that we got to a point of over leverage when we got to 69,000. I use a chart on CoinGlass that I follow with uh, open interest versus the price of Bitcoin that I follow pretty much every day to try and see like how much leverage is being used. And I still think we're in a spot where we're still a little bit over leveraged. Mm. Um, I think when the Sam Bankman fried FTX scandal unfolded, which may still not be done unfolding, that we saw a lot of leverage flushed out of the market. Um, if you go to coinglass.com and you can see the the uh, chart that I'm speaking of or on my Twitter, I share it regularly, but uh, you could see the leverage get flushed out and we now know who was behind the majority of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I'm at, and I know you have the not investment advice disclaimer but uh i mean just my own plan is i'm just in a in a dollar cost average mode right now um i do some mining with the project and uh i sell when i'm able to and then i dca into bitcoin with that i guess secondary income and then i have a automatic buying on bitcoin every week Mm. um and it's just a little bit i'm not trying to pick the bottom. I thought we had hit bottom around 17, 18,000 and clearly we hadn't. So that's where I'm at. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to pick a bottom dollar cost averaging. You don't generally want to start and try and hit the bottom. You want to do it a little bit before the bottom. Where's the bottom? I don't know. I mean, I've seen this a few times and every time it's everybody saying crypto's dead. You know, I have, Friends who are really smart who say it's worthless, it's going to zero. Obviously, ECB um, said crypto is going to zero or whatnot. (laughs) Um, I don't think Michael Saylor is going to be 100% wrong. (laughs) He's proven that in the past. I think specifically with Facebook, you know, is the one that I remember. And, uh, yeah, with crypto, man, it's just like it it becomes pretty, pretty hard to handle. Uh, and I think I'm just waiting for the time when people have completely given up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely felt that that fe- that real feeling of despair in the market, you know, and I actually started to scale into some coins this week. I did most of my buying, uh, not yesterday, but the day before and bought into some things that I just wanted to own. And I'm like, OK, you know, I know that this may go lower, but I definitely want some exposure. And here's kind of my thesis. And then we got that news out of, uh, you know, that pivot, quote unquote pivot, although I don't know it was a real pivot out of the Federal Reserve and uh, ended up getting a nice pop in the, in some of those uh, entries. And so, uh, you know, I'm kind of like you where I think we're closer to the bottom but I don't know that all of the contagion is gone. You know, there is some some news about Genesis trading or, or some sort of, uh, you know, market maker that could potentially uh, go bust. And, and evidently they're looking for a billion dollars and they need it by May, you know, that kind of thing. And so I definitely don't think all of the risk is out of the system yet. But I, I don't know that anyone, any long-term investor 
is able to successfully on one day pick the bottom and be like, there we go. I'm just going to uh, put all my money in today. And, and then, do, do, do. you know, it, it really takes a lot of work and, and perfect timing to do that. And that's hard, right? It doesn't matter your experience level. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of where I'm at as well. So kind of doing a lot of fundamental research and trying to find out which tokens will survive because not everyone is going to survive coming out of this, right? There's going to be some that continue to be ghost chains and just, you know, uh, end up uh, pumping and dumping like they did the last time. And so I think looking at developer activity is really important. Looking at um, total value locked is really important. And then social uh, interactions as well. Uh, you know, if you can, if, if a community is still interacting with a protocol that is down 85%, well, maybe that one has a chance because, you know, there, there's a group of people that believe in it. And so those are the yeah. kind of metrics that I'm looking at. I was going to say even social interaction on messenger which i kind of hate because mm -hmm. then you're just going to get targeted for scams but you know seeing how many people are following and how many people are actually interacting how much the development group is like responding and interacting that's some of the things i notice is like huh uh they don't respond to somebody for 24 hours that might be a red mm -hmm. flag you know that nobody's really active there um but yeah and i think it's interesting you mentioned total value locked uh stuff like that is some of these altcoins are actually up off of their bottoms, you know, like even Doge, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Phantom <laughs> as far as like value buy. And, you know, it, it was 25, 26 cents earlier today after hitting a low of below 17 cents. You know, I know Bitcoin's up a little bit too, but, you know, just trying to pay attention and almost like feel the flow of the market. But I'm with you, like you said. Is there more contagions? There's a possibility for it. Did I feel the despair? Like even with the Terra Luna crash, um, that whole debacle and possible scam. Um, it's like you feel it and then it's like, could it hit me harder? Could I feel more? And it's like, yes, I feel like they there could be more to come. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't feel like it's been rock bottom yet. Of course, I didn't have any money on FTX, fortunately. So... Uh, those people might be feeling it harder. Yeah, um, definitely. I feel like there could be more pain. I could handle more pain, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I, I definitely I did not uh, trade this market perfectly. You know, I didn't sell everything at 69, 420 or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did some selling up there. Uh, but, you know, in hindsight, obviously, I uh, should have sold every penny of everything and then just took a vacation for a year. Uh, <laughs> you know, even from the stock. Well, you did awesome on Ethereum. I remember you talking about, like, you were, you were selling right of around 44 or 4,500 on Ethereum. And yeah, that. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I did have some good trades. Grateful for that, obviously. Um, and then, you know, grateful to catch some of these moves off the lows because we uh, we have been seeing uh, networks like Quant Network uh, do, you know, almost a double. I think it was as low as 50. And at one point it was up to 300, you know, something like that. Yeah. So there have been opportunities in this market. Uh, but it's been hard. You know, it's, it's a hard buy when the news flow is uh, is super negative. So the main news flow right now, Matt, obviously, is Sam Bankman-Fried. He is doing a massive media tour. He did an interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin yesterday uh, for the New York Times. It was a very controversial 
idea. The fact that, hey, here's this guy who potentially committed a fraud and now we're giving him a platform. It kind of feels like a reality TV show to me uh, or, you know, kind of like, you know, how some of those uh, murderer documentaries are really popular on Netflix or, you know, the uh, I think it's the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, you know, those kind of things where people are just, you know, looking with curiosity uh, because they don't know, you know, they don't understand what happened or they're just like, oh, this guy committed a crime. Let's let's see if he admits to it. So uh, definitely been uh, kind of a mess in terms of that. I want to play a clip for you. Hopefully I can figure it out on this new platform uh, of basically Sam, you know, coming out to say he didn't try to commit uh, a crime. And at the end of the day, I, I was CEO of FTX and that means whatever happened, whatever it happened, I had a duty. I had a duty to all of our stakeholders, to our customers, uh, our creditors. I had a duty to our employees, to our investors, and, and to the regulators in the world uh, to do right by them, to make sure the right things happened at the company. And uh, clearly, I didn't do a good job of that. Um, clearly, I um, I made a lot of mistakes or, or things I would give anything to be able to do over again. Um, I didn't ever... Uh, try to commit fraud on anyone. I I was excited about the prospects of FTX a month ago. Um, I saw it as a thriving, growing business. I was shocked by what happened this month. And, you know, reconstructing it, I, where are there things I wish I had done differently? He didn't try to commit fraud. Now, I don't know about you, Matt, but I, I don't know anyone that tries to commit fraud. Uh, <laughs> you know, do you know anyone that goes, I really tried. You know, maybe Bernie Madoff. <laughs> I think there's a handful out there. But I think if you're convicted of fraud, it generally means that you committed fraud and you probably knew about it, you know. What do you think is going to happen to him? Do you? Because, I mean, while I appreciate the fact that SBF is doing a media tour, part of me thinks it's kind of like PSYOPs, right? Like he's softening the audience to kind of take in some of his opinion and be like, look, he isn't that bad and he's really sorry. What are your thoughts uh, generally of just him doing all of these media appearances? When it comes down to it, I really don't care. I don't, I don't care anymore. Trust is gone. Whether he's Mm -hmm. telling the truth or he's not telling the truth, you can't trust Sam and you can't trust FTX. I think there's probably a mix in me between number one media producing like just false narratives or bended narrative using the narrative and bending it because why isn't he in jail, you know, from, I mean, this is bigger than Enron, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So why isn't he in jail? Either it's being portrayed as fraud and it's not really fraud. And he is just like, yeah, I made a mistake. I did everything within the legal realm and I failed and I lost everybody's money, you know, and that's okay. It's just buyer beware. Or I committed fraud, I'm not in jail, somebody's protecting me, or just because he's in the Bahamas and he's got, you know, the the legal jurisdiction doesn't reach there or something like that. So I am a textbook overthinker, so I try to steer clear as much as possible and just try and let my own thoughts develop so I can make the be- best decisions for me. But in my opinion doesn't matter what he says, doesn't matter if he's telling the truth or not. You can't trust Sam and you can't trust FTX. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously, he made a lot of political donations during his time when he was running FTX and, and potentially Alameda. And I think there's a high potential that his lobbying and his political donations are definitely swaying not only the media's attention, but also just regulators' attention. You know, like the CFTC chair or someone from the CFTC came out today to say, basically, yeah, it looks like just a typical run on the bank. And well, no, no, yeah. that's not what it was. Not at all. I was just going to say, I, I, I don't know if you heard or not, but apparently he made donations to the Republican Party as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was an equal opportunist uh, <laughs> yeah. when it came to politics. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting because, you know, he said he was the second largest donor and I guess it wasn't even close because um, he donated $40 million and the next highest was, um, uh, anyways. Was George like Soros. Million. George Soros, yeah. Um, it's like $220 million. But he also said, like, yeah, I donated to the Republican Party as well, but journalists are generally liberal, so I didn't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So you donated $40 million or what? I don't know what amount it was, but, it, like, why? I think that's the first question is why, you know? Why donate to political parties? Well, you I know, think because he wanted, he wanted regulators to really kind of yeah. – sway his way right i mean that was that was one of the big things that i found out about sam doing a lot of research into this was that he just wanted his platform to be the winner and he wanted to paint cz and binance as the bad guy and he wanted to make it look like oh look i'm working with regulators so just do everything i want and then we'll be good to go you know yeah this whole thing uh just is it ends up just being bad for the industry because it makes everyone look bad you know it makes every crypto look like a giant scam and you know i've been telling my friends look there's a big difference between a coin that's made up by an exchange and then used you know collateralized and leveraged in other bets and bitcoin and the bitcoin network right like the the point of bitcoin and the point of crypto is to get away from all of the troubles of the initial financial system. Like we're not not trying to recreate the same problems that we have, you know? (laughs) So what do you think? I think it's interesting too, the conspiracy theory now, right? It's like you were talking about like buying off regulators, you know, so they kind of like turn their head on anything that may be gray area, you know? And it's just like, there's like the conspiracy theory that like this was like the setup, like this was supposed to happen. This was planned to happen. So regulators have a reason to be like, okay, we need to come in. So this doesn't happen. Like, um, God, I hate to even mention BitBoy, but <laughs> he's kind of the one everybody's going to for the news, you know, and it's just like, stay away from that as much as possible too. Uh, just cause it's like, yeah, okay. Is this what, you know, was this set up by Gary Gensler for Sam Bankman-Fried to be the fall boy you know the, the one to take the fall so they can get their foot in the door and be like yeah come on 10 billion 16 billion dollars well i think it was 16 billion and 10 billion of um uh customers money that was lost mm-hmm. it's like yeah this can't happen we need to step in so when you get to like the extreme side of it <laughs> you get to the conspiracy theories And I think with Gary Gensler specifically, I know we're a little off topic here, but, you know, my understanding (laughs) is uh, that's okay. That's okay, man. Uh, You know, my understanding is that Janet Yellen is looking to step down as head of the Treasury. And 
Gary is someone who, as you know, taught a course at MIT about blockchain, about Bitcoin specifically. And so he knows exactly how it works. And so when he got the position at the SEC, everyone thought, oh, this guy's going to be on our side. He is one of us. He gets it. He knows it. And what we've actually seen is the opposite, where he is working with people like Sam Bankman-Fried and working with, you know, people who have lots of money and lots of lobbying power to, to really kind of up his clout. And then when this whole thing happened, you think, you know, the SEC would come out and be like, ah, we really messed up here. You know, one person from the SEC did, but Gary didn't. He just said, yeah, you know, look, I told you, this is some of the problems that we're dealing with. But he had so many years to deal with those problems, and he didn't. And so my understanding is that with Janet Yellen potentially stepping down or, you know, moving on, he wants that job, and he wants her job. And so he's going to do whatever he needs to, including uh, rubbing shoulders with Elizabeth Warren and, you know, all of these other people who hate crypto and trying to get them to vote him in to, you know, uh, get a promotion. And so it just seems so self-serving and unfortunately (laughs) bitcoin is what suffers from it you know and and uh technology uh suffers and technology gets held back because of people trying to put put their own interests first yeah it does (laughs) so it's been you know this whole sbf thing i think has been uh just a nightmare uh for for everything but we have had some positives uh come out of this whole thing including uh, i'm going to try and share a screen here including uh, this right here, where we see Brazil opening up regulations for Bitcoin to be used as payment. Now, this is a big deal, Um, and it's a bigger deal than I think people realize. And here's what I think is uh, pretty important, that it's being used as a means of payment, and it shows that Bitcoin has value. So they're using Bitcoin as a digital representation of value that can be used as payment. And so that I think is really key here because that's been the use case. When anyone says, yeah, that's cool, but what's the use case? I'm like, you're sending value across the internet without a third party. There's no bank in between. There's no person in between or institution in between. It's just the software is working. And whatever the price of Bitcoin is, you know, if I want to send Matt $10,000, I just buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin and then I can send it to you. And I don't know of a bigger power in the world than trying to send value to whoever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want. Yeah. And so this... Well, what's the alternative, right? It's Western Union. It's wire transfers through banks. It's like, you know, I've, I have, you know... I've bought and sold businesses and the banks use wire transfers and you're sitting there when it's, you know, six figures plus and you're, you're either sending or receiving and you're just like, okay, did it go through yet? Did it go through yet? Did I get it? Did they get it? Um, and I, I guess I have that, uh, same feeling with Bitcoin where if I'm using a new, uh, wallet or something, whether it's on a centralized exchange or whether it's on like MetaMask, it's like, you know, you send the little $10 test one just to make sure you're not sending a thousand dollars and it's like lost, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, um, I agree with you. And that's one of the reasons that I don't think it's going anywhere. I mean, I think more and more, I think, uh, I mean, Brazil is a 
very, very large population base. Like I think Rio is like second or third largest population. I could be wrong about that behind like Mexico city or something like that. Um, but that's a lot of people. And like the Bitcoin maxis always say, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. So, yeah. you know, I started off in penny stocks, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And uh, it was, you know, you learn the float, the outstanding shares, authorized shares, what all those things mean and what that means towards price movement. And it's like, okay, get your hands on it now because, you know, I think that's why Kathy Wood says by 2030, you know, Bitcoin, she still sees it as going to a million dollars. I mean, you have a country as large as Brazil using Bitcoin as payments uh, with that type of population base, you know, Bitcoin is going to get accumulated. You know, people mm. are going, they wouldn't put it in use as a payment option if there wasn't a benefit to using it. And I think people forget how forward thinking Latin America really has been. I mean, you think obviously first off of El Salvador and them making uh, Bitcoin legal tender and stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. And then you see this with Brazil. And then they're also uh, coming up with their own Latin America coin, you know, Latin America central bank digital currency that they're working on to send within, you know. And so I think yeah. Latin America is really kind of taking the lead in some of these uh, areas and... It's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before everyone else pays attention and goes, oh, you know what? It actually works yeah, quite well sure. over there. Or maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe we'll learn the other way where it, it doesn't. But I kind of think it will. Um, well, it's an opportunity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's two things. It's an opportunity and it's a risk, right? And when it comes to El Salvador, it's like, well, why not? You know, it's a chance. It's a risk, but it's a chance to catch up or get ahead even to these larger I guess, more established, richer countries, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So like, if it works, great, you know? And if it doesn't, then it was a risk. And it just goes like with any other investor, uh, like don't risk what you can't afford to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that this is a big positive and something that is getting missed uh, by the market generally. Like if this happened in a bull market, like don't you think Bitcoin yeah. would just run up another 10%? I mean, that's kind of what it oh, was yeah. like <laughs> in, in the bull where we got a little bit of positive news and then everyone kind of rushes in. And so one thing about bear markets, well, and bull markets is um, bad news doesn't really matter in a, in a bull market. And good news doesn't really matter in a bear market. So the fact that I was going to say, even usually like we'd see like, Oh, $500 million, this company is buying worth of Bitcoin and it surged straight up. And then as we started to head down, it was like, Oh, they're buying Bitcoin and it would still just cause it to go. Any news would cause it to go <laughs> down. And yeah, that's, that's what happens. I think the really interesting thing, right. With this Brazil approves bill regulating use of Bitcoin as payment is the key word is the last word in that headline, payment, right? So what has been the narrative for Bitcoin is it's a store of value, right? That's what everybody has looked at, has, has been trying to create this narrative or at least accept this narrative of what's the UK use case. Well, it's never going to be used as payment. It's, gonna, it's a store of value. It's an alternative to gold or a better alternative to gold. However, you may think of that, like that has been at least what I've seen over the last two or three years be the narrative for Bitcoin. This is payment specifically. Mm -hmm. You're going to use this the same way that you would use a dollar, you know, to, to buy and sell. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, the argument for Bitcoin is how transactions work, right? Is you, you, you send, you, you have one Bitcoin in your wallet and you're buying something for half a Bitcoin, you send the whole Bitcoin and then the transaction goes back to you. Whereas like something like Ethereum, if you have one Ethereum and you're buying something for 0.5 Ethereum, you just send 0.5 Ethereum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But this is using Bitcoin as payment. And we have things now like the Lightning Network, you know, that assists in that, um, that we didn't have when I first got into Bitcoin, which was, I think, 2015 or 16. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's the main way that you value a network at all. You know, you value it by the number of people using the network and the, yeah. the amount of transactions yeah. that are happening on the network. And that's how, I mean, that's how Ethereum works. That's how Bitcoin works. And that's how I look to value uh, some of these networks. Like, you know, we talked off the, off the front uh, basically about, okay, well, you know, what do you look at in terms of metrics for, you know, uh, tokens uh, that are valuable right now? Well, number one, you look at how many people are using it, you know, and then how much, how much are they using it? And then that's how you value the network. So if you have a whole country of millions of people and millions of people are using this as a payment network, that's going to up the value because more people are using it. It's just like Facebook. The more people that use Facebook, the more valuable Facebook is. And that's, I think, uh, what a lot of people miss when they look at some of these coins because we call them coins. You know, we, we call them money or something like that. And so if people, I think, you know, kind of take a step back and don't look at it as, oh, this is 6,000 different types of money. No, these are 6,000 different types of networks and they all do different things. Some of them are trying to be one another, you know, one of them is trying to be money. Another one may be trying to be a, a, you know, like a social token where I hold value in a community that I'm part of or, you know, something like that. So, um, I think that this bear market will really kind of show, number one, who the leaders are, but then also uh, it will help people who are new to the space really kind of understand it better so that they can profit more the next time around because they'll have, you know, kind of that experience under their belt. Is that what you kind of felt, Matt, when you, or maybe how you feel now coming out of, because you went through the 2018 craziness and now you're here, 2022 craziness how do you look back at your experience having gone through that and and being able to approach the market now well i think that i have confidence in the market in general i mean bitcoin as payment great banks have been using crypto and blockchain for years uh ripple banks have been using i remember the only one i remember specifically is pnc bank which i think got bought out or something like that um, which was a huge like East Coast, Midwest to East Coast bank. Um, like they've been using Ripple for years. I don't know who replaced PNC or bought them out, but uh, Ripple has, and Ripple and XRP are obviously two different things. Um, but Ripple has been being used for years. Other cryptocurrencies have been using for years. JP Morgan, banks, they've been using mm-hmm. blockchain for years. It's safe, it's secure, it's cheap, it's fast. Um, so yeah, so I've gained confidence just learning about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin throughout the years. I've taken programming courses where I've, you know, taken and I've learned a lot from, but realized I don't want to do programming. So I got to a point of like, yeah, this is all I care to learn and all I care to know, but like the technology is, it's about the technology, you know, it's not necessarily about the currency anymore. Like, yeah, like you said, you're going to get 
um, different cryptocurrencies competing to be a Bitcoin or a Bitcoin alternative, right? But now you have like cryptocurrency for gaming and like you have a a fa- you have Facebook who who rebranded completely to Meta to focus on the metaverse. Like mm-hmm. and let me tell you something, like make fun of Mark Zuckerberg all you want, but I consider him somebody to be smarter than I am. So I'm paying attention. Like mm-hmm. he knows something that I don't or maybe he knows something that I do and he just, you know, is willing to place a bigger bet. Um And then like, I've seen it, uh, you know, I've seen three collapses now. This is the third collapse. And the only thing different about this one is it kind of did things that didn't fall in line with other cycles, like breaking the previous cycles high, you know, coming below that. And I think that's probably intentional to throw people off because, you know, if you got a bunch of people holding on leverage, how is it going to go up when you have like leveraged selling, you know, so Uh markets need to shake people out. Um, it needs to create, you know, thin buying opportunities, you know, where buying actually makes the price go up, you know? Uh, so I've seen it before. I personally don't think that Bitcoin and crypto is going anywhere. Um, I, I don't know what to think about central bank digital currencies. I'm kind of 50, 50 on that being good and being bad, you know, like Michael Saylor says like, yeah, there'll be a digital dollar and it'll be built on the rails of Bitcoin. You know, Uh do I completely know what he means by that? No, but (laughs) (laughs) it's like, I get it. Um, So like, yeah, I think uh, just for me to answer your question, it's just like, yeah, I've seen it. I believe it'll go back up. Bear markets last longer than the bull markets. Usually got like a two, three year bear market. And then you get like a one year bull market Uh, trying to pick the bottom. Isn't, the best idea. So like a dollar cost average for me on stuff that I can afford to lose is the best way to go about it. And then it is a little bit of hopium. Like, yeah, I hope it stops going down and I hope it starts going back up again. And I think like, you know, you being a professional trader, uh, you know, I've been doing so long trying to pick the bottom. It's near impossible. Uh You know, some people get lucky picking a bottom. Some people get lucky picking a top. There's signs and signals we can watch for. Um, and those things and those metrics that I'm paying attention to tell me that it's, it's very possible. There's a high probability that we haven't seen the bottom yet. Um, there's also, I think a smaller probability that we have seen the bottom, but Uh there is a a possibility of it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately for me, when I first got into Bitcoin, you know, I had all the things I had, a I had a friend telling me, Hey, this could be something when it was at like $200. I had a guy at my gym who owns his own Island. He was, he did a Ted talk, um, on Bitcoin when it was at like 240, $250. And I had a wedding and a honeymoon coming up. So I couldn't put as much as I would have liked to. Cause I'm like, well, if I put money into here and I lose it all, then my fiance is going to leave me. And you know, we've been married for <laughs> over five years now, six, six years. So it's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't risk what I normally would risk in something like that, but, but it went well. well. <laughs> I think you made a good trade. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I think you did okay there. Yeah. That's funny. So, I mean, Mark Yusko kind of puts it perfectly and I've interviewed Mark on this podcast before. In yeah. fact, he was the first yeah, I person I interviewed. I like and, Mark. Uh, 
A great guy. I, I got to meet him in Vegas. You know, I didn't want to bug him too much. I'm sure I oh, did. Great. You know, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure I bugged him way too much. But um, one thing that he <laughs> sure says he about, that. yeah, I'm sure he is. One thing he says about this uh, cycle is that this is the now they fight you stage. Like first they laugh at you, they mock you. They ah, it's just your stupid internet money, whatever. Then they fight you, and that feels like the stage that we're in right now, especially with regulators and all the Sam Bakeman fried stuff where you see the media kind of uh, taking his side in a way or, or kind of softening the blow. Uh, but then we have people like JP, Mor uh, JP Morgan come out, excuse me, and say, you know what, this isn't a crypto thing. This is a banking thing. You know, like uh, that kind of surprised me that we saw a major institution come out and say, yeah, we're still bullish on the technology because uh, this is just fraud. You know, he created a fraud, but that doesn't mean they're all fraud. Right. And I don't think we saw that before. You know, to your point, last time, my understanding is like, it was all, yep, see, it's garbage. We told you so. But we're not seeing that this time. And then even though... I'm trying to think back. <laughs> well, I mean, it was so long ago, right? You got to think about all those bachelor seasons to go through and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, yeah, but, but that's kind of what is keeping me interested. The fact that we're, you know, seeing all these major institutions kind of say, yeah, you know, this is a bummer, but it's not because of the technology and Bitcoin still has, uh, you know, is still going to be fine. And and I mean, even Elon Musk came out to say, yeah, Bitcoin's probably going to be okay. You know, so uh, that kind of makes me feel a little better about still being involved and still being interested other than just the alpha of being able to trade you know, price action or whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of making me feel okay. I mean, I, I definitely agree with him, you know, at least for this stage. Uh, I feel like, I feel like it was fought before, but man, I'm trying to think back of like specific cases, cases of maybe like bigger names or institutions, but I think it was the same thing in uh, 2018, you know, it was like, yeah, it's fake money. Like it's thin air. Like here, buy this rock. Like this rock is worth ten thousand dollars. And it's just kind of the same <laughs> thing. Is how do you value something like Bitcoin? Is it you know the same way you'd value a rock? Now, countries are adopting it as a, a payment method. Then great. I mean, I know in my experience, the one thing that I could pay attention to better is tops. Pay attention to your Facebook feed when all your mm. friends who have never talked about investing or money or uh, uh, anything like that before start buying Dogecoin and posting it on Facebook saying to the moon. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's, in my experience, the last two crypto cycles and the 2013-14 penny stock marijuana boom when Colorado went legal, That that's the key giveaway to a top. From what I've noticed, and when I pay attention to it, it goes great. When I don't pay attention to it, it does not go so great. You know, it's um, funny. It's funny you say that. that. It's funny you say <laughs> that because I was interviewed for our local newspaper here in town uh, about crypto, and it was okay. uh, I think um, September of last year, maybe November, September, November, something like that of last year, and I should have known. Oh wait, the locals are paying attention. Time yeah. to sell. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. Like some part of me was just like, no, I still want to be, you know, I want to be involved. I want to own some and uh, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, a dollar cost yeah. average if it goes down and stuff. But uh, I certainly, yeah. you know, from an honesty perspective, I certainly did not expect 
69,000, 16,000, you know, within the year. Well, but we've seen 85, 90% drops in the past, you know, and we're at, we're at just, just creeping up on 80%. Um, and when it comes to bottoms, you know, there's not, you know, that same Facebook friend feed indicator, you know, that you get, mm-hmm. but I know like you and you and Dan always say, I always remember what you and Dan kind of say is bottoms are events. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, but then again, we've had Terra Luna foundation as an event. We've had, um, FTX as an event, man, how many events do we got to go through until we find a bottom? <laughs> I mean, you're so right. I, and, and that's, I think that's what has made this bear harder than others, because not only yeah. do we have, uh, you know, we're fighting the fed essentially with raising interest rates and, and anyone who, especially, you know, if oh, I yeah, talk to my buddy, Dean Blundell on the Dean Blundell network, he'll say, ah, you know, I told you crypto is a scam. And I'm like, yeah, but Shopify is also down 80%. What do we do there? <laughs> you know, uh, Uber is also yeah. down big, like every tech stock CrowdStrike also down. It was at three, 400. Now it's at 100. Yeah. Does that mean it's a scam? No, it's just interest rates going up is bad for risk assets. And the the further down the risk curve you go, the more volatility you're going to get to the downside. And so- um, Well, the hard part is can always go lower, right? Mm-hmm. There's never a time where it can't go lower. I got, a, I got a friend who's been dollar cost averaging into Clove, C-L-O-V, um, the stock, wow. not the cryptocurrency. And I'm like- you know, I, I was fortunate to be in, in, a, in an options trade where I bought and then I sold when it hit like 23 or $24. And he's like, he says, you're not afraid of missing out. Sorry, my dog That's is okay. barking. <laughs> That's second. okay. Is that the, uh, is that the SPAC? Yeah. That's the, uh, one of Chamath's SPACs. It was Chamath's one of which he's sold all his shares out of. You know, he's like, well, that's a good thing. There's no more. I'm like, no, that's a bad thing. Why would you want to be out of it? That's, and they're in the insurance industry. So they're like, yeah, they're the real deal. I've sold their products before. I'm like, it doesn't matter all the time. You know, it doesn't always (laughs) matter. Um, Coming from penny stocks, it's like, it doesn't matter. The stock is too easy to be manipulated that it's going to be, Mm -hmm. whether they actually make money or whether they just have like a, you know, CEO that wants to screw people over or whether they want to be able to sell shares so they can pay bills and pay debts, you know? Yeah. Okay, great. They have a product, they sell it, people buy it. Doesn't always matter, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the events and the bottoms and I'm sorry, my dog kind of threw me off. Um, (laughs) we're live, buddy. This is part about, uh, this is part of recording a podcast live. Crazy things can happen. You know, that's the other thing is like belief, you know, you can't be like, I mean, we've seen GameStop and AMC and, and you almost get like, hopefully this isn't a, an offensive term, but like a cult following, mm-hmm. you know, don't be a believer. I mean, you have to believe, but like to what extent, you know, I believe that Bitcoin will be around. I believe that crypto will be around 10 years from now. I believe that it'll be worth more than it is right now, 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, it doesn't really matter to me long-term what it goes down to. Um, I mean, it sucks to watch, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially, you know, if we go down below 10,000 or whatnot. Um, But long-term, you know, where are we going to be? 
I, I think I even though of... even if we do go down to that level, let's say Bitcoin swipes down to ten thousand. There's so many people who I have heard who, you know, uh, didn't participate in the ride up last time in either of them because they ended up going up twice, you know, went up and then Elon, uh, you know, brought it down, then China brought it down, and then it kind of went back up again. I know of people who are, you know, great long-term investors who say, yeah, you know what, Bitcoin was a bubble, but I'd buy it at 10000 and so I still think even if it does drop another $4,000, I think that there is a potential that anyone who missed out on the last run is going to look at that and say, you know what, that's a pretty healthy base of support. Yeah. So to me, that means one of two things will probably happen if we come down more. Is everybody is waiting to buy at 10000 then, right? And I agree with you. That's kind of like that good, round, even mental number that everybody's mm-hmm. got in their head. So, you know... Uh, either means that it's going to come down to like 11,000 and then it's going to start running up. So people (laughs) have to chase it or people are going to buy at 10,000 and then it's going to come down to like 8,000 just to kind of like, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, demotivate, not demotivate, discourage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of discourage those people who are like, Oh man, so glad I got that second chance to buy at 10,000. Oh man, 7,500. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I've been thinking about and would love to get your feedback on is that at this time last year, everyone was cheering Bitcoin 100,000, Bitcoin 100,000. This year included. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was too. Uh, You know, I thought, oh, yeah, this is inevitable because everyone thinks it's going to happen. But then I thought, oh, wait, everyone thinks that's going to happen. So it's probably not. This yeah. year, everyone says, Bitcoin 10,000, Bitcoin 10,000. <laughs> so that has me thinking, well, if everyone thinks it's going to 10,000, maybe it's not. And so that's yeah. what caused me to kind of start scaling into some coins uh, yes. this week and just being like, all right, you know, I know it's gone down a lot. I know there's a potential that it can, it can go down more. But if I have that long-term time horizon, okay, maybe I'll scale into a little of this, a little of that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So again, not investment advice uh, to anyone listening right now, but that's kind of my thought. From like a logic standpoint, right? You say scaling in. I mean, that's, in my opinion, just as, you know, this trader, you know, and this is a trade, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you you haven't lost anything if you sold. It's like, same thing on the way up. Well, you haven't made (laughs) anything if you haven't sold, you know? So it's just like, this is still a trade for me, you know, scaling in, even if it takes me a year or two to scale in until we start to see it going up again. Um, It's just like, say it goes down to 10,000, and then it goes up from there. If you start scaling in at 10 or 11,000, you're your average isn't going to be as good as if you started scaling in at 16,000 and scaled in as it went down and then went back up. Cause if it's like a scale in over time and you have not necessarily like a, a dollar value that you would scale, like, Oh yeah, I'm going to buy in at this dollar amount, this dollar amount, this dollar amount, or instead you're going to say, Oh, I'm going to put, put this much in every month or this much in every week. Or some people have this much in every day, like you're going to get the best average when you buy, you know, here and you watch it go like that and then you watch it start going back up, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if you start buying here, then you're going to scale in and you're just going to scale in on the rise. And, and in all honesty, like that's when I see people uh, lose the most is like they buy the way up, you know, and then their, their, their dollar value, um, their average is so high that when it does come down, they end up losing money, even though they've been in since the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen it with Neo, uh, the, the Chinese electric vehicles. You know, I, I 
probably didn't play that one perfectly, but I was buying it below $2, you know, and I seen people, they were buying it at seven and they were buying in the thirties, forties and fifties. And now they're negative on it. It's like, mm. you know, you, you started buying at seven. It's still not even back down to there and you're down significantly. But, uh, that's just, I guess my thoughts on like dollar cost averaging and bottoms and, you know, maybe we haven't seen the event. Maybe we need a more positive event. Um, probably, but, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about at this point when we were at 40,000, it's like, where's bottom, you know, at 16,000, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> well, and I think time frame is everything, right? Like if you yeah. plan to hold this for a long duration, a couple of years, then okay. And I know people that use that same strategy with the S&P 500 where, oh, S&P 500, it's down 20% this year. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna buy a tranche, you know, my long-term yeah. retirement account. So it's not something that is, I know we hear a lot about dollar cost averaging specifically with crypto, but that is not something that is reserved just for crypto. You can do that with index funds, uh, you know, long-term holds in, in a retirement account or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what a retirement account is. If you're paying money to someone who is managing that money for you, and you're paying money every month, well, that money is just getting averaged into the rest of your investments. And so uh, while we talk about it with crypto, it's not specific to digital assets at all. Well, and how far will the S&P, fi- I mean, will the S&P 500 drop? You know, we've been mm-hmm. up around 4,000 now in the S&P 500, but is it done? I mean, one thing that people don't think about is like, yeah, raise rates to hedge inflation, to, to stop inflation, sorry. Um, well, how does that work? Well, raise rates, you know, I have three businesses and my SBA loan payments are up $1,400 a month, you know, because of the rates raising. And that's everybody who has an SBA loan to buy a business, which is the most common way to go about buying business if you don't have uh, private investors um, or if it's, you know, smaller business. So not only are groceries and gas rising in price. And I think we're getting a hold on it now um, because we've seen gas prices come back down a little bit. Um, but that means employees need to be paid more. I've had employees like, hey, I need more money. Like I, I, I can't afford groceries. Okay, I get it. So then businesses have to raise prices and then they're mm-hmm. getting hit on the other side with the banks that they got to pay for borrowing money to buy the business, you know? So giving employees more money, uh, our parts costs are way up. Like I have three auto repair shops and, you know, some of the the smaller cost items have gone up 700, 800%. I mean, we've seen $5 parts go up to like $35, you know, it's my goodness. So, and we can't charge people an increase of 700%, you know, on those, they're just not going to pay it, you know? Mm -hmm. So then we got to think from a lot of different angles. So is it getting better? Yeah. Is it over? Maybe not. So I don't know, you know, if the market goes down, crypto will probably continue to go down as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a big roll of the dice right now. Obviously we have the uh, next FOMC meeting coming up. Uh, Chair Powell, Jerome Powell did signal a lower rate increase this time uh, in terms of 50 basis points um, or half a percentage point. But then there's still the risk of slowing the economy down to a crash. And so, you know, one thing that uh, that I know is that rates are still going up. It doesn't mean that rates are not going up. They're still going up. They're just now 
slowing the pace. And so I think what the market needs to look at is, okay, what is the world like with 5% plus interest rates if that's where we're going to be? So uh, still lots of uh, headwinds out out there, still lots of risk out there in terms of the market. And so... um, yeah, it just ends up being a little a uh, little dangerous for any time frame. You know, even just swing trading. Swing trading has been a nightmare this year because it's been hard to hold anything for more than two days. And yeah, I want to hold something. It went up. And then you're like, oh, dang it, I didn't put my stop into profit, and now I'm negative. Yeah, now yeah. I've, I've found that I cannot give stocks the benefit of the doubt. You know, in a bull market, I'll just give it the benefit of a doubt, uh, of the doubt that uh, it'll be supported at that 21-day EMA. And then whoosh, it gets right down there. And then the next day, oh, it opened up and it's gapped up and now it's higher and now you're chasing. And so it's just been, you know, it's been a rough market uh, for anyone who has more than a, you know, hour-long time frame. Or as Dan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's got a great course called the 59-Minute Trader. And that's a great way to, to make money in this market is just, Day trade, come back tomorrow, and then hopefully, you know, you, you can find a new entry and a new trade. It's like the so only that's way been... right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in a trade, it goes up, and it's like, even if we have seen bottom, it's like, it goes up, and then 90% of that move has been given back. Well, you probably didn't catch 100% of that move, right? Mm-hmm. You might have caught like half of it. So if it gives back 90% of it, like you lost, like you probably have your set, stop loss set somewhere in that range. And then it goes back up again, and you're like, "Oh, geez." Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Playing. And and I've so actually got out is one of the best options like I've seen right now. Just focus on longer term trades. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for I mean for long term crypto stuff, totally. You know, having that long term time horizon, I think is is the only thing that has kept me sane in terms of some of the protocols that I have that are locked up. Right, because I do have some that are locked in smart contracts for two years, and I can't do anything with. And it's kind of like, Same. you know, uh, okay, that that's the risk we take, uh, you yeah. know. And so you have to have that that long term uh, time horizon. Right. But also, you know, and, and that's why I did some selling late last year, where I said, okay, uh, I still like this, but I, I got a credit card I got to pay off, so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna sell some of this and then uh, move that money over and stuff. So, you know, uh, it is it's the game we play, Matt. It really is. Yeah. You just have to. You you have to force yourself to. Definitely. No. Uh, this has been a, this has been a great conversation, Matt. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, I uh, would like to do this again uh, with you sometime. Hopefully, I can figure out how to play clips. I'm going to try again one more time. No, I'm playing. Well, it just says on the uh, when you brought up the the Bitcoin as payment news article, I was able to see that. Yeah, I don't know. Like on my panel here, it says play and then playing live. And you should be able to see that. Like my understanding is it should open up. And so maybe, I mean, I can't scroll down anywhere. It's just one. No, it's not you. It's, uh, it's me. I'm going to have to, this is a brand new platform that we're using. It's not you, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I've been watching too much of Love is Blind. Uh, it's my bad. (laughs) From the bottom, make no half stepping. I'm the dog, I made it through so they don't ask questions. Long Beach and it ain't no half reppin'. Once a dog, always a dog, so they don't ask questions.
I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.